I hereby introduce to you, Mr. Michael Vesey. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to Amazing FBA, the place to be for UK-based Amazon entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Michael Vesey. Welcome to the show. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amazing FBA podcast. Today, I'm going to deal with one of the questions that comes up for those who don't yet have an e-commerce business and are considering starting one. And so if you've already got a business, this is not content for you. You may wish to just tune out and come back when we've got something relevant for you. But if you're still on the sidelines thinking, should I start a private label or Amazon-based business, let's get into it. So the question that I'm taking is from, let me give you credit where it's due, Amazon FBA private label sellers, a Facebook group I'm a member of, pretty decent one. Don't remember who runs it, but if you run it, thank you very much for your work. As a person who also runs Facebook groups and podcasts, I can appreciate the work that goes into managing a good community. I don't have permission from the person who uh, wrote this question to give their name, so I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to read out the question they asked because I thought it was a, a good encapsulation of where a lot of people are at maybe an extreme version. And then I'm going to give the answer that I gave this person and then reveal a, a couple of the comments that other people gave as well, because I think they're helpful in making sense of the situation. So here's the question from this person, which says, if you have or had an Amazon business, I really need your honest opinion, honest in capital letters. I've been sitting on the sidelines for two years researching what I can about the FBA business. I feel I understand the process now and I'm seriously considering jumping in and beginning the product research stage. My, my dilemma is that I feel I may have waited too long to start. More and more posts are complaining of the increase in fees, rules and competition. My worry is that I will find the next potato peeler or bike pump or whatever using the same software everyone else is using, thus only denying, delaying the inevitable competition. Now, I totally get there will always be new competition, but it seems the increase in the FBA business model is at an all-time high. And there's more frustrated posts with how to even be visible in searches. You have to run constant PPC now, not just during the initial launch anymore, thus leading to a lot more time and money to even break even. I can't be the only one who hasn't started because of similar thoughts or worse, currently going through the struggles mentioned. If you've never started FBA, but with the knowledge you currently have from doing FBA, would you start it today? What knowledge do you wish you had when you first started? And there's a bunch of other questions. I'm going to go through them one at a time. Now, there's a lot to unpick here. <laughs> so I'm just going to answer the questions first, and then let's unpick some of the mindset issues that other people have made some wise comments on. And an unpicked. This is very interesting, actually. The only thing I would say, if you're still listening and you have a an e-commerce business, the only thing I would say is I bet any money, based on my conversations with seven and even eight-figure Amazon sellers that I work with, you still have some of these issues, just in a different way. But this is not for you. So if you're listening and you you run a, an Amazon established business, this is not necessarily for you. If you're sitting on the sidelines in any form of online business, actually, this probably is going to be very helpful to you. So let's get into the questions. The first person they said, first question, if you'd never started FBA, but the knowledge you currently have from doing FBA, would you start it today? That's the first question. So let me see what I said to this chap. 
Yes and no. It depends on what you are trying to achieve. First and foremost, I would only do it if I thought it was the right business model for me. So if you're looking for quick cash, and I've literally had clients on interviews for potential mentoring program uh, with me or for mastermind say, I just want cash. In which case, my answer is, if you want cash quickly, then don't do private label type business model. There's retail arbitrage. We can get started with hundred bucks or hundred pounds or euros or whatever, um, or online arbitrage. And, and with wholesale, you can get, it will take longer to get started, but you don't need so much money and it will don't, won't take as long as private labeling, let alone custom product development. So if you need cash quickly, don't do it. This person has been waiting for two years. So I'm guessing that speed is not the issue. Assuming that private labeling is the right business model for you. And that is a big assumption. And if you're not sure about how to answer that, go and listen to my friend, Chris Green, and, and we discuss it. Chris Green, Kyle Hamer, myself, and Jason Miles on The E-Commerce Leader, one of our sister sort of podcasts under the umbrella of the work I do on podcasts. Go and have a listen to our recent discussion about which business model might suit you because that's a discussion in itself. So let's assume you've done that, which is a big assumption because most people don't. Go and investigate the alternative business models. Assume you've done that. If private labeling seems like it might fit you, in other words, you want to develop a business that is highly valuable and sellable one day in three, four, five, ten 10 years time, but you're prepared to put time and effort in building it. I would only start it if I could find a customer type I really cared about, a problem I was obsessed with solving, and a product type that I was equally in love with. Half-hearted or half-arsed is a total waste of time in crowded competitive markets. This is me, in my opinion now, not somebody else's. And by the way, consumers don't owe you a living and Amazon doesn't owe you rankings. Okay, so it's fair enough that you need to offer something the market doesn't already have. Otherwise, why would there be space in the market for you? It makes sense, doesn't it? It will take time to hone on your perfect customer and to deep dive into issues and to perfect a product for them. So it will take time to develop to that. But if you're not really committed to all of them, personally, I would suggest don't bother starting with that. It's probably true, by the way, for any business model ever in a competitive space. If you're not committed, then you probably shouldn't go in. Um, secondly, I would only do this if I could capitalize it properly. So in theory, and this is where a lot of debate happens, you could start with a few thousand dollars. Yes, you could. And I'm not advising you spend all your money in one go. That's definitely not how I'd ever advise somebody. But if I couldn't at least set aside or budget for at least $10,000, at least per product line as, as initial capital over the initial, not like the first order, but the first six to 12 months, probably a lot more if possible, then I personally, personally wouldn't bother. And that was the question. If, what would you do as, as I understood the question? Now, people are going to be frothing at the mouth about this. So I want to clarify one or two keywords and phrases I've just said. Personally, I wouldn't do it. Does that mean that nobody with under you know, $10,000, $15,000 should start a private label product? No, I don't control the universe. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> You're a grown-up. Do what you want. But I'm just telling you my perception of what the success likely. The second thing is budget is not the same. Or well, setting aside money doesn't mean I'm advising you to spend it and certainly not in one go. You should not throw good money after bad. I'm not saying, and again, people get very confused about this, but I don't know why. It's just so simple. I guess the emotions get involved. I think that's why. What I'm saying is you should probably stick $30,000 on one side, ready, allocated to a product line if, if it takes off and if it proves to have sales and profits. I can't say enough. What I just said, the distinction between putting money aside versus should you actually spend it, they're two different things. 
maybe people work for government departments where if you put a budget aside, you have to spend it. I'm not suggesting that kind of budget, okay? An entrepreneurial budget should be, we put the money aside so we don't spend it on something else like your mortgage or some other project. So it's, it, there's an opportunity cost there, but I'm not saying you should spend that money unless there's a very good proof of concept. However, what I see often is the opposite, which is that people set aside just $5,000 for their FBA you know, private label business and their first product. And then they spend any other savings they've got on something else. So they allocate it to property portfolio or another business model or whatever it may be. Guess what? First of all, um, you need, and this is more than I just said in the Facebook post, it would have been the longest in the history of man. The first point there is that you're going to need more than one product line to cater business. You need a catalog of products, really. And that means each product's going to need some seed capital. Now, there is such a thing as organic growth, but it's not going to happen very quickly normally unless you are in an incredibly fast-growing market that's incredible profits for products. That can happen, but it's not likely. So unlikely is not a good scenario for starting. Yeah? You should go with what's likely, in my opinion, play the probabilities, and then add treat anything that goes faster than you expect and always more profitable as bonuses, right? It's all gravy then. And the other point is I see so often that people will spend $5,000, $6,000, $7,000, $8,000, which is a lot of money for a lot of people personally. I get that, but they'll spend that money on launching a product. It takes off uh, in terms of sales, but then they need to restock it. And because of the economics I'm not going to go into with the cash flow of, it takes a while to get paid back for all that stock. And because of the lead times, if you're importing from China or wherever, then you need to make the decision to restock often several weeks, at least before you start making the sales. So you're going to have to restock and you need more money set aside to do that just for the one product line. So those two realities alone tell you that a few thousand dollars, in my opinion, is not enough as a budget. Yeah, Money set aside that you can spend if the products are successful. I hope that deals with the frothing at the mouth that's happening now from the people saying, but you shouldn't spend $30,000 on your first Amazon product. No, not on your first run of your first product. A hundred percent agree. But equally, if you spend $4,000 and you have no money to follow it up with to build on the success, that was a waste of time then, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like trying to invest in real estate or property, as we say over here in, in the UK, without enough money. If you can pay the surveyor and you can pay for a scout to find you deals, but you can't actually put a deposit down that's enough to buy a property, then go and save more money <laughs> or buy a different class of property. Don't go shopping for flats in London where you're going to need to spend $500,000 or something or £600,000 or whatever it may be when you could go shopping somewhere else and maybe you need 50, etc. You get the idea. Now then, the next question from this person was, what knowledge do you wish you had when you first started? And honestly, my answer is how long have you got? <laughs> There's so many points. First of all, the things I've just said. So how important it is to know and care about the customer, to know and care about the product type and really to have an edge in terms of product development, but also how to properly import from China. These days, that's common in training. When I first started, the people that I trained with were a couple of, couple of North American sellers who had done very well with supplements, but they'd sourced in the US and sold in the US. They had no idea about importing or making physical products generally, in fact, outside the consumables space. Yeah, guess what? Their training was useless for importing. So that, that's maybe it solved now. Um, a partner who cared about product development, to be fair, it's hard to get that when you start, but I wish I'd had that because it's so critical. Product development's really hard and you need to care a lot about products. And I just 
I really like marketing and consumer understanding and certain aspects. And I like financials, weirdly enough. So I've got a lot of the stuff that that is popular and some of the stuff that's less popular that is in my area of interest, shall we say. But product dev was never one of them, and that's critical for private label or custom products. So I wish I'd had somebody who was really into that side. I wish I'd had a peer group of people who knew what they were talking about. This sounds self-serving, but it happens to be true anyway. I wish I'd had a coach who'd walked the path but was affordable. I did find one. Um, some way into launching, but I wish I'd found her earlier. It would have been very useful. And I wish above all, I'd had the stones to follow what I cared about, not a narrow business model. I was chasing the cash and gradually over time, I've evolved uh, uh, ways of operating the e-commerce space that suit me personally, like doing this podcast right now. I'm still in the e-commerce space. It's not a physical product business, but you know, certain types of things float my boat and others not. A lot of it comes down to physical products, which Physical product developments is not my thing. So if I'd found a way around that earlier, then that would have been one of the things I'd wanted to know. I'm not sure how I'm answering the question as it was put, what would you do? How relevant this is for somebody, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out, it's going to be hard to to just walk into somebody and just convince them that they should go into it. But if you and somebody else who've got really fantastic product development chops start a business together, you're just more likely to be successful, I, I think, personally, because I think product development is so hard. There you go. What are, this is back to the question again, what are the biggest pain points of FBA? First of all, FBA includes, I think, about 20 business models, and those are just the common ones. FBA, RA, OA, wholesale, private label, custom products, drop shipping, Kindle print on demand, et cetera, et cetera. Assuming you're talking specifically about private label, and that's in the title of the group, so I assume that's correct. There are many pain points for FBA, but let me go over the, the worst ones for me personally. Amazon account suspension. Horrendous. I've experienced, fortunately, there wasn't much revenue going through that account at that point, but I've had clients who've experienced it. I've had friends who've experienced it. In some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue was turned off. That's horrendous. That is a reality. You can guard against it. You can't completely avoid it. And you just have to ride that. It's a bit of a major downside. Listing suspensions can be almost as bad if you have a lot of your revenue going through one or two major listings. I've had clients go through that a lot. I've definitely had it myself. That's not quite as scary, but they're both pretty horrendous things. And they're a reality of selling on Amazon. So I'm sorry, but that's just the blunt truth. The upsides can massively outweigh that, but it is a heck of an emotional roller coaster. Let me just tell you for free. Amazon seller support and in general, Amazon's relationship to sellers. We are ultra disposable. You have to just get over that. You just have to mentally handle that somehow. It feels so incredibly angering. A lot of people spend a lot of time on Facebook groups ranting about this. I have, for example, recently um, experienced some suspension issues and we're back, thank goodness. But um, I've resisted the urge to rant about it on Facebook because it would have done me no good. You just have to swallow it. You rant about it over a beer with a friend, if you like, briefly, and then get on with it, I would say. Deep capital requirement. That's one of the downsides of not FBA in the broader sense. You can start on Amazon for $100 if you do retail up, but private labeling, yes, it's a deep capital requirement per product line. And again, similar thing, the amount of cash or working capital tied up for months if you're importing, again, if it's private label or custom. Now, ways around this, you don't have to import. If you're in certain product categories, if it goes on or in your body, traditionally, they say don't know source from China, source from the country that you're in, if you're in the US or Europe. And that's definitely the direction I'm airing in these days. But you can't always do that in certain categories. The amount of time it takes to develop a customized product, another pain, even really experienced and competent people, people are much better than me at product development. I'm not bad at it. I enjoy it, but I'm good at guiding people through the process. Guess what? It's still going to take you a long time. And that is 
a delay before you get paid. The other pain points, increasing amount of Amazon ads as a percentage of revenue that you're going to have to spend on Amazon. I'm afraid that the economic drivers of Amazon, the logic is pushing that up over time. So plan accordingly. If you ask what that means, there's a ton of implications of that. But the simple version is you need fatter profit margins. So you're going to have to find a product you can sell for more and, and source at an affordable amount. And that is super hard. Product dev is hard. Increasing levels of competition. Competition heating up is not unique for Amazon. Any successful market will have high profit levels, which results from low competition. The high profit levels attract more competitors and it becomes more com competition. The land grab is over now, I'm afraid, if that's the question. Is it going to be easy, quick wins? No, sorry, it is not. Not private labeling on Amazon. Not in my opinion. Other opinions may, may differ. For me, you need to be committed and well capitalized. If you're not, then the, the time to get into it is over. But that doesn't mean there isn't millions and billions to be made. When the markets get bigger, they just require more capital to enter the market. That's just a given. That doesn't mean you shouldn't enter. It just means you need more capital. In the end, this is relative to your personal situation, right? That's it for the main downsides <laughs> that I can think of. Obviously, any business has reality checks that are not fun. The final question is, are you planning to continue with FBA for the foreseeable years, or are you planning on shifting your business model? So for me personally, the answer is yes and no. Yes, I plan to keep being part of partnerships and, and companies that sell custom products on Amazon. No, in the sense of, am I personally going to do all of those parts of the business myself? I love marketing. and I love deep diving into understanding consumers. And for some reason, being a nerdy analytical person, I really like understanding finances. I wouldn't claim to be very hugely expert on that, but I'm good enough to tweak uh, businesses from a strategic point of view without pretending to be any form of accountant, by the way. But the, those parts of it I love, and that's quite a big part of the business, but product dev is super central to custom product development. By the way, custom product development obviously means product development is absolutely central to the model. Theoretically, private labeling is just putting your logo on an existing product. The fact is that will mean that you have an undifferentiated product out there, which means that you will be killed by the competition, meaning you won't have any profit left. You may make sales, but not at a profit, in my opinion, and my deep experience and that of my clients. So you have to get good at product dev. And I find it painful and very time consuming. Many people find it very time consuming, but enjoy it. I find it very time consuming, but don't enjoy it. So these days, what I'm doing is I'm partnering with passionate and very expert people in product dev. They are super, super clever people. But if you're just starting out, I don't think it's that likely that somebody super clever is going to work with you. That may be not true. If you have no experience, then you might have to prove yourself a bit first with Amazon. Depends who you are and who you know. That's a very personal thing. I've personally been in the space for about eight years and built up a profile, and that's taken a while to earn people's trust at that level of person. Your mileage may vary, may be better than mine. The very final question from this person was, if you're planning on staying, what are the keys to success in your opinion? Really, my first answer is find a customer type you really care about, a problem you're obsessed with solving, and a product type you're in love with. Those three things. I think the customer, the problem, and the product type, critical. So the keys to success apart from that would be being highly committed and well-capitalized. And the hint is look at the size of the market you're going into. If you can't afford to displace the number one seller, you're not really creating a killer business that with its growth potential and profit potential and value potential for the future. Can you build it and sell it? In other words, for lots of money, 
can outweigh the, the stresses and the risks of building a business. So in other words, if you can't win the fight, don't go in in the first place. And, and if your capital is $10,000 or $20,000 for your first order of products, and you're going to market where the top seller is selling $300,000 a month, there's a massive mismatch. Common sense should tell you that, but people get blinded by the size of an opportunity. So here's what I would say about that. The number one principle I follow is what the STAR principle outlined by Richard Koch, K-O-C-H, in the book of the same name of the STAR principle. And it's basically the Boston Consulting Group matrix, which means that you want to be investing in businesses or products that are in growing markets, which is very common on Amazon. A lot of markets grow by more than 10% a year, which is his main criterion. And, and the difficult bit, where you can be the market leader, the number one person by very hard definition, which is you have twice the market share, in other words, twice the revenue as a percentage of the total revenue in the market as the next person. That's quite a barrier to jump. Most people do not hit that in most markets, which means you should probably walk away, in my opinion. If you don't have the potential on paper to win big, then I just don't think it's worth the stress in the first place. Those people that have valuable businesses and nearly was pretty dominant in a market, which is sometimes quite small, but growing fast. That's when you really build a valuable business. In terms of business strategy, in a nutshell, for me, that's absolutely the key. The businesses I've worked with that dominate the market, however obscure, do really well. Those who are sort of followers generally have a lot of price pressures and do badly over time. It's that simple. Most of us are not well capitalized enough to go into most markets. That's okay. Most of us don't care about most markets. That's okay. Most of us don't have an understanding of the customers deeply enough in most markets. That's fine. Just don't go into those markets. And if you don't care about anything, then you probably can't start a business of any serious description except reselling other people's stuff. And that's okay. Resell other people's stuff then. That's essentially what I'm going to be doing just in a more sophisticated way. I personally will probably spend most of the rest of my life in terms of physical products, reselling other people's products. But the businesses as a whole that I'm co-creating with those people as a whole sell physical products, if that makes sense. So in the end, you've got to separate what your business does and you personally do. You personally need to care about what you're doing, the part of the business that you're doing and the market you serve. The capital may come from you. It may come from other business partners. I know some people who are friends of mine who've become very expert at running businesses, but most of the capital came from a silent partner. That can work. Again, it's not easy to find a silent partner like that. It depends on your personal contacts. So my summary of this is really, first of all, sorry if this is all tougher than you wanted to hear. I'm not in the business of trying to pitch people into selling on private label. This is against my self-interest in the sense that my primary coaching work is with private label or custom product businesses that sell on Amazon. Gradually, the whole thing's getting a bit broader as the clients I serve get broader themselves. So most of them are starting to sell on Shopify as well. Some sell to retail stores, et cetera. But I'm pretty much a private label or custom product on Amazon specialist. And what I'm not saying is this stuff doesn't work or you can't make money. And I, I think that in a sense, the amount of money in absolute terms that people will make over the next few years in this space will dwarf the money that's been made in the previous few years. But bigger markets mean you have to have bigger capital and bigger commitment to enter them. And I think that's just the reality of pretty much any market. It's the same with real estate in London. Is it a good idea to invest if you can afford it? The answer may be yes, but the, the fact that it takes capital to enter those markets isn't a reason to not enter. It's just a reason to save up before you enter those markets or to find a market that's more than you can afford to enter. Hope that helps. Always a tricky question to answer, but always incredibly important to look through. 
A few other reflections on this. The person who asked these other questions made this statement at the beginning of his post. I've been sitting on the sidelines for two years researching. I fully understand the process. Now I'm seriously considering jumping in and beginning the product research stage. Well, all I can say to that is that product research isn't committing you to anything. If you're not even going to bother researching, then I think you need to accept the fact that you're not going to do this thing. Or what you're trying to do is have your cake and eat it, which is to say you're trying to choose the perfect product, but you don't want to start until you've got something perfect. I think what you should do is pretty simple, which a number of people have suggested to this person, and I agree, which is start with some retail arbitrage and get your hands dirty at an affordable risk level and take it from there. Honestly, my simplest and best advice on that one. Folks, I hope this was useful to you. And if you do feel that you want some input into the sorts of questions raised today, you might want to consider our mentoring program or even just booking a one-off call with me. Just go to amazingfba.com forward slash mentoring if you want to check out how that works. Thanks so much for listening. That's it. Thank you so much for your attention. I really appreciate it. Now over to you. First, 80-20 everything. Learn the critical few. Maybe there's one thing in this podcast that can make all the difference. Find that thing. 20% of inputs give 80% of the outputs. Which are the critical few for you? Then take action. Imperfect action beats perfect inaction every single time. Finally, and not least, review. If you've made mistakes, learn from them. If you've made a success, duplicate it. You can't do that unless you look back. So in summary, learn the critical few. Then do, then review. And then, my friend, it's up to you. That's it. Thank you so much for your attention. Speak to you in the next episode.